You were always the coolest mom. You let us listen to whatever we wanted in the carpool. Listeners, welcome back. This is Takes of Our Lives. You're listening to episode 19 of season one. And today we're going to review season one, episode 19 of the OC titled The Heartbreak. Steve, I don't, I want to apologize to any listeners who got aroused or confused or maybe excited by that intro line. I don't know if it's going to work <laughs> on them, but it definitely worked on Julie Cooper. So it's worked on at least one person. I think it's one for one. Every time it's been tried, it's worked. Well, you know, when you're blasting Bob Seger and just having a solo glass of wine, I, I'm not sure that that's like the most discerning. I, I feel like you're, <laughs> she, she was ready to go down uh, for he just He could have said anything. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did. He did basically say anything. But let's not put the cart before the horse. We've got a big episode today. I'm Vince Kochi. Forgot to introduce myself earlier. And Steve Wilk, you're joining me. What'd you think of the Valentine's Day episode? I mean, man, this show really knows how to do holidays well, um, unless you're talking Sandy Cohen's, you know, definition of holidays. But as far as <laughs> you know, the viewers are concerned, I, I think Valentine's Day episodes are uh, pretty, pretty par for the course for uh, you know your your stand either sitcom or you know comedy drama um, show. It's a it's a trope, you know. It's it's they definitely lean on um, the holidays in general. Valentine's Day being one of them. I thought it was a great episode. Kind of jam-packed episode, even though it feels like a slight come down in some ways from uh, the Oliver arc that we we love so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, really, really enjoyed it. What did you think? I loved it too. Um, I think that's the first the first note in my rewatch reaction was I was expecting a hangover episode. Um, I kind of thought we would get that sort of weird in between time. Uh, old plots are resolving, new plots are beginning, but it really kind of caught me off guard in the best possible way that we the whole arc the whole five episode arc about Oliver is a footnote footnote and now we're like we're wasting no time we're into new drama absolutely i think like that's most obvious with the summer and seth that felt fast maybe even a little too fast i think in my opinion that they the show is gracious uh, and not drawing that out any further um, I kind of like how they hit that head on, and we'll definitely talk about all the uh, misadventures that they have uh, that they share on screen together. But um, just the mere fact that they got right into it after the breakup with Anna, and I mean Anna. So we we've lost, we've officially lost Oliver. Anna, I feel like might be due for one or two more episodes, but I feel like she's not long for this OC world. Uh, so we're we're kind of losing some of our faves uh, in terms of characters. But like you said, the drama is like ramped all the way back up there is no hangover there is no lull episode in between um just a ton of shit going on in this one totally true so to quickly recap uh what actually happens it's it's valentine's day in newport beach and um everyone's pairing off or they're not uh the episode is titled the heartbreak the oc sort of pulls its own rug out from under us and instead of making it about a bunch of breakups it's about a bunch of happy relationships and one breakup to summarize, Kirsten is mercifully, I was hoping we would have another gala soon. Uh, 
she she's throwing well, a gala. we haven't had one since christmas and i don't even know if you could call that a gala but um like a you know like a an evening out for every character um but again you know we we the wives handled christmas so we you and i haven't talked about a a gala episode in god knows how long i was i was starting to worry my my lovely partner as soon as kirsten <laughs> said i i believe she says at some point it's like we haven't had an event in forever and then my my girlfriend sarah went oh thank god and then she said i looked at her like is that sarcastic she's like i'm being serious and i'm i in that moment i was like I'm serious too. That's bread and butter OC. <laughs> Let's throw a party. Everyone gets dressed up. There's got to be some drama. Caterers are involved. That'll come up later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the long short of it is Seth professes his love to Summer. Amazing scenes ensue. Marissa tries to get back together with Ryan. Ryan is not having it. Kirsten and Sandy fight for a little bit. Then they make up. Uh, going down the list, we've got Luke and Julie. That's radioactive we'll talk about it later (laughs) and then lastly and leastly uh we've got Haley and jimmy and the the episode surrounds all of their sort of comings and goings toings and froings as couples trying to make it work absolutely well said and i one one point i wanted to make on this so i think they did a really interesting thing here this this moment or this uh episode definitely had the most moments per minute of like sincerely awkward moments and like downright cringy moments in some cases. Uh, and to do an episode of Valentine's day episode where like that, that is kind of at the forefront. I thought was kind of interesting. That is such an excellent point. I, it almost, now that you bring it up, it almost sounds like that was like their thesis for the episode. I think it was. Yeah. I think, I mean, that didn't like strike me right away, but as I thought about it a little bit more, it must've been what they, when it must've been what they were going for. Because they they really kind of go out of their way to make some of the most uncomfortable moments in the episode. And I will gladly uh, break those down in a later segment. Yeah, it's almost as if they subverted the whole genre of teen dramas and doing Valentine's Day episodes, in a way. I mean, it was sincere to the trope in in some important ways, but it was pretty subversive in the way that it made it so, like, uncomfortable. And I, I really try not to use this word in terms of describing entertainment media but it felt pretty real it felt pretty authentic believable i guess would be a better word um kind of of their age and hmm. instead of everything being soap opera e and perfect and pristine with a veneer it was very rough around the edges and a lot of like good-natured relatable laughter ensued it was a fun episode it's it must be said super fun yeah it, there were a lot of great scenes couple hall of fame scenes that i'll it will point out but uh Dude, I'm thinking the same thing. Some all-timer scenes in this episode. Absolutely. Well, let's do some little rewatch reactions. Um, I think we both kind of touched on it already, just how quickly the wounds of Oliver heal. Uh, But not all the wounds. Not all the wounds. No, they're they're lingering, uh, mostly with Ryan. Ryan's not ready to get over it. And uh, Marissa's attempts... Let's talk about this. Let's take through this a little bit. Did you find the... um, Marissa's like a uh, uh, drive to make things like back to normal with Ryan right away. Did did that did that ring true to you? Did that did that feel did that work for you? No, it's an interesting point. It, it works for Marissa's character kind of, but the fact that everyone just because Oliver wound up to be unstable 
does not forgive almost any of the stuff that Ryan did. It Correct. Is, Seth shouldn't have get, forgiven him so quickly. Marissa certainly shouldn't be like indebted to him. Like maybe she's willing to sort of call it, call things even, but she shouldn't be apologizing for the love of God. I agree completely. And I think number one on that list is Dr. Kim. Give me a break yeah. here, Dr. Kim. Another question. I thought you were some hard ass. He assaulted another student. Who cares what the, you know, what if the guy ended up pulling a gun later, you know, like on himself, Ryan drove him to absurd behavior. It could easily be argued. I'm really starting to question Dr. Kim's ability as the dean of uh, the Harbor School here. Well, this is why in season three, they have like a cop come in who sleeps with a student. So yeah, um, I agree with you though, the, especially on the Marissa part. Where so you you feel like Seth still still could have uh, some bones to pick with Ryan? I think so. I I mean the way that Seth's character has has leveled his feelings about it, and he wanted to be like a brother to him and back him up in his time of need. That that's pretty believable. I don't think it shows the most sound judgment on his part, but that's you know I'm not holding the characters to that standard. Um, it's not like anything Seth did in doubting Ryan or his motives or criticizing him for absurd behavior. None of that is wrong. And I don't, I don't get, I know why it's because he's the star of the show and everyone forgives him for everything because the show must go on, but it doesn't mm-hmm. make much earnest sense that everyone is just moving past this. I agree completely. And I mean, the, the do- Dr. Kim is, I mean, I was kind of joking about that, but it's kind of serious. But the Marissa thing is even more troubling because, yeah, she really has no reason to be apologizing to him or or like rushing to try to get things back to normal. I mean, he did betray her trust in a pretty serious way a couple times. Absolutely. Um, it's unfortunate because it is one of very few. Well, there's another big one, but there, one of relatively few things that are sort of like, black marks on this episode's record because it is so damn good but like it's kind of a big linchpin piece of the drama and i just don't it's not that i just disagree with it morally because i do obviously but it's also that it doesn't feel it just doesn't feel right it doesn't feel it doesn't even feel in universe really Mm-hmm. that are you talking about the marissa would want would be so desperate to get back with them right away yeah i agree i totally agree with that Rubs me the wrong way. So I didn't really remember this being a big deal on my first watch. I was probably more consumed with other things going on in the episode. There's plenty to look at, but um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising. That's a, that's a, that's a really good rewatch reaction observation that I didn't make. But now looking back on it after you said that, that's totally true. I think the first go around, I probably, that was probably like the third or fourth most interesting thing to me um, because there is so much other stuff going on, mostly Seth and Summer, but then the Julie Luke thing too. That's fine. You know, just could, yeah, imagine myself screaming at the screen. No. (laughs) Although we'll break that down, that scene down a little bit better. I I really like the way they handled that um, after all. But uh, here's a take. Uh, The Sandy Kirsten fight is the weakest part of this episode. Excellent take. Um, It is totally contrived. Now, it's an interesting question, Steve, and I'll, I'll have you take through this with me if, you, if you'll if you be so kind. But the joke is that it is a senseless argument, right? Yeah. That I, so the fight that they have in her office is, I mean, they're both good actors and they both play that well. But yeah, the, you're right. The, 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 the meme of this is that they, they kind of can't even remember what they're mad at each other about. 
Although they kind of can because Kirsten's pissed at him that he like ruined her favorite holiday, quote unquote ruined. Quote unquote favorite, quote unquote holiday. Um, <laughs> yeah, put, put quotes around the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so my question to you is, I agree, it was it was weak. Uh, it just didn't have fangs. It didn't have or fu- or that much fun. So no. you got to have either fangs or fun. Otherwise, a fight is unwatchable. Um, that's that's a great, that's well said. Because yeah, there were absolutely no stakes to this fight. And that again is the issue that has happened with the, the adult plot. Is that like the the ramifications of their fights just are it's at this point they're not believable are you well so we had i so i I think as a blanket statement that is like largely true i think last episode the the adult drama worked pretty well the one before that with with uh, julie you know whatever like being the interior designer of the model home yeah that was completely uh stakeless but um I, I think that I, you could say that it ebbs and flows. Um, yeah. I, and I'm also thinking of the Jimmy Sandy restaurant, sure. which is a lot of fun and pretty cute, but I, I don't feel any gravity. Like I know Sandy's meant to, we're meant to believe Sandy's risking some significant portion of his savings on it. I don't, I don't feel that pressure involved in the adult plots. I, no, nothing no. is like really giving me a sense of something to grab onto and even though I sort of liked both Sandy and Kirsten in this episode, in a in a general way, I th- their fight was sort of take it or leave it. I I would actually say that this is like a a low not the lowest, but Kirsten's just being over enthused about Valentine's Day um, just didn't didn't do it for me. Yeah, I it it was it kind of came out of left field, right? mm Hmm. I do like what happens with it in the beginning where they we get a little sort of meta chatter about the other holidays in the OC Pantheon. And oh, how sure. They, how they like each, they each have the ones that they like and there's some sniping and snipping back and forth. I liked that. I, it didn't rub me quite as wrong as it seems to have you, but um, I, I was still sort of in on Kirsten this episode, uh, but certainly not, certainly not enamored. I want to bring up Teresa. Yes. It's this we're sort of in a run of critical moments here, like being critical of the show, but uh I found her pretty unconvincing sadly because I really liked her the last time she was on screen. I think it was Thanksgiving. Yep, yeah, the Thanksgiving episode. Um her her like shtick of like kind of like being critical of people for being rich or just just like critical of people with wealth for no other reason than them that they are rich uh yeah it just doesn't don't quite get it i understand she's from like a less privileged community but i don't know she's got a real axe to grind with the rich she sure does um i was i would have hoped for more of like a robin hoodie vibe from her it's it comes off and i in a real world world scenario excuse me I would think this is a pretty believable trait to have. Um, I wouldn't blame a cater waiter forced to be around privilege and then go back to their home in Chino. I would not blame them for being a bitter character, but it's not good watching, really. Right. Uh, that's I guess that's the issue I have with it. I would want her to be maybe more mischievous or Grace Under Fire maybe would be a, another type of personality she could have where like despite her having every reason to be bitter she's like sort of subversively not bitter but instead she just sort of like says mean things about his friends and the characters that we like and yes it's it's fair 
they're wealthy and sort of disconnected. But uh, I kind of just don't want to hear it, right? Yeah, and there, I think you're right, and they're all, and she also doesn't offer any like positive quality. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think about. I mean, because right now at this point we've only seen her in two episodes, Um, and I'm trying to think what we did like about her in the Thanksgiving episode. I mean, she wasn't on screen that much. I think at that point it was it might have been just kind of like a you know a different energy like a fresh face because there were just weren't that many characters in the show at that point um so that could have been part of it uh i'm trying to remember what else what it was but yeah that's about it she she was she just was like there's a freshness to her being on screen Mm -hmm. uh, that that we sorely needed when we didn't have that many characters um now nothing really fresh about her appearance and her lines just didn't punch like this was her chance to really get back into his life and she kind of half she felt half-hearted to me at least yeah i agree that was so the sand i maybe i'll rephrase i don't know if the sandy kirsten fight was the weakest part of the episode because both those characters are so good but yeah the Teresa stuff i mean it made sense why it, it it you know plot wise it makes sense why they brought her back if we're trying to drive a even a further wedge between ryan and marissa um that's a good way to do it but that character just yeah there's I need I need a little bit more and it's just some something else interesting or something you know more interesting about the performance to kind of hook me for her so I haven't been hooked yet and um not to be not to cross our medias too much but this had a, a Star Wars the latest episode issue with me as well oh boy when it's like okay so we had the Luke Ryan Marissa love triangle and then that resolved momentarily because then we had the Oliver, Ryan, Marissa love triangle. You're, they're just playing the hits? Is that what you're accusing the OC writers of doing? Exactly. We went back to the well a third time, so now Oliver's out of the picture, literally hauled off by people in white suits, and Teresa falls out of the sky <laughs> into the gala holding a plate of hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, I'll, I I see. I think there's there's no denying that. I I didn't get the sense that um, any romantic entanglement with Teresa was going to prevent Ryan from getting back together with Marissa. I just think he's. I mean, let's talk about that. Why why is Ryan not ready to get back with Marissa? <sighs> did that did that track? I mean, here's, it, I, <clears throat> here's a big issue I have with his character development too. So you put Ryan in in any situation, and he has no impulse control. He beats the living daylights out of every other character on the show. Mm. He cannot control his temper. He cannot control his base instincts. Except for, suddenly, when sex with his ex-girlfriend is on the table, now he's like a rational man of his years who is able to like collect his thoughts and say, <laughs> no. I'm still too wounded. Things are too weird between us. I need my space. I need time. Well, could you employ this personality trait to any other situation? Yeah, it, it just doesn't doesn't line up with the rest of what we're supposed to believe about this person. The rashest man alive, and he's turning down Misha Barton and saying, <laughs> no, in a very esoteric way that it's difficult to quantify, you've wronged me. And now, the only thing that i could do to make sure my conscience is clean is not kiss you suddenly he's a philosopher i guess i guess so um but yeah well i think we we haven't brought up the uh, seth summer pairing yet 
No, and and listeners who are casually taking this episode of Takes Over Lives in are going to think we didn't like the episode, which is incorrect. Because I is as much as like I'm, ha- you know, the Teresa stuff, whatever. Ryan's motivation, that's fine. I, there was a there was a a lot of good scenes in my opinion. Well, maybe not good, but a lot of interesting scenes between Ryan and Marissa, um, that uh, that made the episode fun to watch. But I mean, the real the, the main course is Summer and Seth. And it is incredible. It is so good and so interesting and funny and real and lighthearted, but also there are some really tender moments. I don't it's got it all. It really does. The uh I think I'm trying to think. It's the there's the two scenes. I think it's the first time he goes to her bedroom and he does the it was always you speech. That's a Hall of Fame moment. That's Absolutely. That's great, Brody. Uh, like I feel like I say this every time, but anytime he gets sincere, I, I always think it's good. It's it's a great. He does sincere pretty well, uh, considering how excellent he is at being sarcastic and kind of you know shooting off um, the jokes. But that that is an excellent scene. That's believable too. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just a sap. Dude, maybe as, I'm a mark. Terms, in terms of like big romantic gestures and speeches. It was the right length, and it was sincere, and it was spoken from the heart. It felt like to me, anyway. I don't. It, it, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. And it hits the marks, and yeah, so that's super memorable. And then maybe even better, the it's not like a smash cut because I think there's a scene in between. But then we get the overhead shot of them after they've had sex, and clearly it's like hasn't gone well. Cover uh, of TV Guide, right there. That that is a, a scene that was iconic. It stood out. And even like thinking back on the O scene, it's one of the scenes I see in my head. I agree completely. And they normally this show we don't talk about like the the shots that they're able to get or any of like the filmmaking stuff, but that's a great shot. That's a super memorable shot. It ends with Summer rolling off the bed and taking the sheet with her like a toga, and then <laughs> Brody's left to cover his business with a pillow. Slim waisted Brody. I never realized how I knew I know he's a skinny guy, but my God. <sighs> Would kill for his physique. <laughs> seriously um so that's good and then so we talk and then he has the great scene with sandy um oh know, asks my god for, that's... asks for the sex talk uh i i didn't know i uh, fill me in here it, when you get uh, normally when we have if, if two characters are going to have quote-unquote the talk it's usually a little bit more um like biological in nature right it's not like how do you how do you actually like uh, perform? How do you please? At a, yeah, at an above average level, like that. That's not what the talk is in my mind. I would you ever go to your dad for like <laughs> advice <laughs> on how to please your partner? I mean, well, he's got Ryan. I guess he tried to with Ryan. Ryan didn't really help him. Ryan, out, and this is Ryan's best scenes were these scenes, by the way, where he was like he gave him the most like earnest real advice. I've said earnest like a billion times. I'll try to stop. Uh, he said, do it again when yeah. Seth was basically like, how do I get better or what do I do? And he's, Ryan just gives him like this worldly answer, which is also not too up its own butt. I, I just was, it was really good. But yeah, the, the, if I'm Seth there though, I want a little more detail. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to go to Sandy for that. But look, if, if Ryan gives him detail, we don't get this excellent scene. Good point. It's so brutal to watch. <laughs> extremely awkward i'm gonna get ready for me to say awkward i'm gonna tr- i'm gonna try to find some synonyms for awkward but um that <laughs> the source.com uh sandy's excellent in it seth is even better 
Uh, like, I would the never way... go to my father for sex advice just to answer your question. Sorry, Dad, if you ever listen to this. it's It would not happen. It's not going to happen in the future. I'm trying to think of the amount of money you'd have to offer me to go to my dad. <laughs> it's it's the, at least four zeros are involved. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I was just going to say about uh, Gallagher. The, he like occasionally will get like this like twinkle in his eye. I just don't, I don't know how he does it, but he is so fucking good. Uh, and that scene is excellent. And I really like the way how it's so he, he gives him some advice or whatever. It's not like too super in depth, but gives him some pointers. And so Seth goes back to it. And you, you, I think like maybe a, a more obvious way to resolve this would be like, okay, problem solved. But no, it's like, it's bad again. I like that a lot. It's, it, yeah, I don't want to gush too much about the plot line, but every time they could have taken an easy swing, they checked, they checked down. And it led to like the ultimate, the terminus of this plot well, it's not really terminus, but the way that the episode ended within the Seth Summer plot was so, if I, for lack of a better word, it was just really sweet. It was nice. So are you? So okay, I wanted to ask you about that. So what do you think of them redconning Summer's virginity? You're you're all right with that? Uh no. So that is a a. Now are we? We were never. Is it officially a retcon? Like. Or is it of the way that it's described in the show where she purposely maintains this reputation as part of her sort of appeal and her hard edge? And then we're like, it's subverted. Or did they actually go back on some real life? That's a good good question. I would, I don't have the answer. My gut is telling me they never, there's no, there's no hard evidence that she has had sex. Uh, within the lore of the show but i mean just based on how what that character was in the first pit pretty much through the tj episode i think it's a little convenient that they uh that she is she actually is a virgin i do too and here's i'll, I'll tell you what i don't like about it and what i like about it in order because the don't like outweigh the likes for sure not a fan of the trope of saying Oh, now that she's a serious love interest, mm. she can't have had former partners. It's some sort of chaste patriarchy bullshit where our main ladies can't have uh, have like an open sex sexual before. past. Yeah, I think that that's that is, the bullshit. I feel like that is no longer the case. I think if this show is airing now, I don't think they, I don't think they would be so worried about. Yeah, like what? Because I agree with you that at, at some point in our history, and not too dec- too. Uh, to recent history it was that that was like for whatever reason frowned upon to have like a sexually active character that we're also supposed to feel you know like more sympathetic feelings towards yeah exactly they're not allowed to be a serious love interest if they've had sex with multiple partners before so totally ignorant and stupid and you're right i agree if that was today summer would have a, a very different sexual past or, or maybe not, because what I did like about it is despite the bad decision to make her a virgin, and even the fact that we're sort of haggling over this is kind of weird, but once they did it, they at least, Seth's reaction was they could have gone an oh, thank God type way. Oh, right, sure. And that would have been extraordinarily cringy. Uh, he plays it cool, because he didn't care before and he doesn't care after. So that part was 
you know, it was, it was a punch, but it landed soft. Yeah, and I think that it gives him, it makes him, uh, the 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 mutually agreed upon decision to kind of go backwards and kind of start slower again. I think is it's it's made it's made after she admits that she was a virgin as well. So he's kind of like, he doesn't literally say, oh, you know, like he act, what you're saying is correct that he doesn't really care one way or the other. But yeah, since he do, once he does realize that they're on more or less similar ground, you know, he does he feels more comfortable being like, okay, instead of being like, well, it's. Now, now we can actually start from a, a place where we're both more comfortable. And that was that's nice. And they dance in the bedroom like old people, just like they were <laughs> in TJ. It was nice. Okay, we got some of the good stuff out, Steve. Can we go back to slamming this episode? Oh, by all <laughs> means, please. Uh, hope you guys didn't miss it too bad. We're going back to the takedown breakdown. One week hiatus is over. Takedown breakdown is back. We take down the stuff we didn't like. We break down the stuff we didn't understand. Uh, should we deal with the elephant in the room right away, Steve? Sure. The Luke's speech to Julie Cooper. What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? What don't you get about it? So this is actually my O scene. So instead of just, you know, waiting for that part of the segment, we'll just I'll just get out of the way now. Um so Luke, so we're talking about the second time he shows up to her house because the first one's yeah. got some cringiness in, in it as well. <laughs> it does, but it's ultimately innocent. Yeah, very. Uh, yeah, extremely innocent. Um, okay, so Luke showing up again to Julie's house. Uh, we get hopeless crush Luke. So that's a new Luke that we have yet to uh, explore, or has hasn't we have yet to explore it because he hasn't shown up on you know on screen yet. So. Hopeless crush Luke. Luke is now head over heels for Julie. Um, and at this point, now the jig is up. He he went to her house once before with no real purpose. Uh, and she was, it was the jig then presumably still down or at least <laughs> in a middle position. She she was never buying it. She she knew why he was there, but she was not ready to give it up yet. Um, this the the second time around, he comes clean. Uh, he's just like weirdly. I mean, it's, I know the, the, it's good. It must be weird that like dynamic with his ex-girlfriend's mom. He's just like so out of his depth. Uh, he says that she's an amazing girl. So we've got that. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, you are an amazing girl, woman, lady is what he says. Uh, and she, and he basically goes into like the cool mom thing. Like that was part of the appeal, uh, even from a young age for him. Uh, and she is like bizarrely seduced by this. Uh, that is my issue. That's my issue. That's okay. My big issue. You're, you've got problems with her. This actually working. That's right. I don't have problems with it happening. I actually like most of the scene. They've got Bob Seeger. We'll talk more about him in yes. a little bit, but Bob Seeger in the back background night moves, terrific pick it it, it sets an incredible mood then luke comes over and he is completely firing off in all directions he doesn't know what to say he doesn't know what to do he's impassioned he's timid he's rambling it's hilarious and And, yeah he's also like oversharing kind of um like very oversharing the the when he brings up the ultimatum game now this is my favorite part of the scene because this is where she's actually like she she's at this is where it goes from She's kind of like touched to maybe she's going to actually do this when she says, really, I beat Kirsten. Gross. Her, 
her weird like uh, competition issues with Kirsten. I mean, are, they're well documented and they're well understood <laughs> at this point. But that was just such a great like little throwaway line for me uh, in oh, that no. scene. But we need a soundboard with Summer saying "ew" on it that we can just hit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make a case here. So you you like you're you're all geared up to flame this. I'm going to tell you why it worked for me. This is a good double Please. take. Please um, yes. So it's established now that Julie is down in the dumps because of her breakup with Caleb. Uh, she's at the singles party. She doesn't want to be there. She makes that joke to Kirsten about drawing a bath and either having a glass of wine or slitting her wrists. <laughs> that was that was good. Very millennial of her. Extremely. Uh, she goes. She leaves the party. Goes home. Blasts the Bob Seger as she threatened Kirsten. She would. <laughs> uh, she's got the wine. See, the Seeger is so good. You said it. It sets the mood perfectly because this is, to me, this is partially Julie getting back to her roots. Bob Seeger is the type of music that I would expect somebody who is like grew up in the or come, came of age in the '80s or '90s who lived came from Riverside or wherever the hell she's from. Um, but that, yeah, that is like the music that I imagine her listening to when she was younger, getting back in touch, or you know, maybe pining for her younger days. Um, yeah, yep. having a glass of wine. Luke comes back again. She's already rebuffed him once and kind of twice in a way, because the first the first time uh, she was the one who was like, you better go. Um, and I think she's just worn down. I think he, he just wore her down and he the, you know, right place, right time. And, uh, you know, it goes it, it happens. And the song makes it and the line really I beat Kirsten um, also makes it for me. So. So that's all. You've you've made a spirited defense of it, Steve. I'm not brought around to it. Um, I do again just to reiterate the Seeger's so good, and you're right. It, we get to see, and because the 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 problem I have with it, I'm so flustered. The problem I have with it is that for most of the scene, you're loving it because she's like entertaining this very playful, distant fantasy while he's like rambling and playing it up. And this is something that we can sympathize with Julie. We're like, yo, who wouldn't be flattered in their lonely state in that situation? We can all understand how she's feeling. And she has some very funny, like, facial cells when he's like, I want to flame a couple of his lines, though. I mean, his lines are definitely flammable. And the fact that, like, yeah, like, what? so, because I think that it could, up until this point, we were probably have meant to believe that Luke was pretty smooth, right? Or maybe yeah, with girls his own he's age, popular, but yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So this this kind of weird, like bumbling, uh, like doesn't know what words to say. Luke doesn't really fit in with what we're supposed to believe about this character. But I mean, we've we've gone on and on about how what they've done with Luke. So, but yeah, go this, fl- flame on. <laughs> okay, so he says, "You were always the coolest mom. You let us listen to whatever we wanted in the carpool." which I laughed aloud when I heard him say that. He goes on to say, you let us watch R-rated movies. Then he describes the game Ultimatum. Steve, did you ever play this? Is Ultimatum a real game? Fuck Was no. it where I grew up? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Uh, you were the mom everyone wanted to do, <laughs> he says. And while he's saying these hilarious these tripping over themselves, verbal diarrhea. She is making very amusing faces. She's got like, part of it is like, tell me more. Part of it is like, this is where where I've landed. This is my Casanova. He's saying, <laughs> I'm the mom. 
that they wanted to do. But then the like shattered glass, she starts to buy in. And that's what I don't like. And I'll tell you why I don't like it. Julie is up until now a fierce character, even despite her many backslides. This is this isn't fierce behavior. This is like really low. This is just pretty pathetic. It's sad. And it's not sad in a way that you're sympathetic, like Jimmy Cooper usually is. Mm. Sad in a way where you're like, yikes. This is what our villainess has become, a 16-year-old sex haver. You make a good point. And I think that you could you could the fact that she's seduced by this type of um like come on it, it is more sad than because if he had been a little bit more suave about it, it's equally as like villainous uh, to because, you know, we, we know the relationship that her daughter has had with this kid. You know, it's not like it's just any 16 year old. Um, so that's that's, you know, hugely problematic um, for other reasons, age aside. But, yeah, the way that she she comes around to him despite his like poor execution and, you know, his come on. Just is, a, like, is especially sad. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's what I, that's where I'm coming from because it's just the most like clumsiest, most bald faced form of flattery that is appealing to her. And <laughs> I do love how Luke gets a snipe in on Caleb. He's just so old. Yeah, he's too old to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like fair. Actually, fair point. That's Your like partner. the only thing he has on him, though. Like, every, like Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> that's the he's only got way no he other desirable qualities. Uh, I just, I just groan. I just groan. It's a groaner for me. So you didn't like it, or you didn't? You don't? You don't agree with that? It like lines up with Julie's character. What is your biggest complaint? My yeah, my gripe is what they've done to Julie. That okay. might like the scene itself, like all. Th- all other things truly notwithstanding, the scene is pretty good. My issue is like how how the mighty have fallen. How mm. once our stone cold killer has become the the love interest to the basement tier character, who by the way is half her age. It's not what you want. It's not what I wanted for Julie, and it's not what I wanted to be spending my time on watching the show. Did you have so we're we're still technically in the takedown breakdown. Did you have any other uh items from this episode that you especially wanted to uh bring down a few pegs? A couple lighthearted ones, yeah. Uh say, end of the end of the episode, we do the classic trope where Sandy hasn't cared about Valentine's Day all week. Oh, now sure. they get home and now there's all these rose petals and candles. Did they learn nothing from the model home? It's a great all these candles great question. going while they're away from the from the house. Yeah, you know, and he that doesn't quite line up either because he was pretty content in being defiant of his his unwillingness to play along with uh, Valentine's Day. Pretty much all the way up until the uh, the party because he he walks over to Seth and Ryan. He's like, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. I'm paraphrasing or whatever, but he's like, don't get married. Um, yeah, so, he it's a quick about face for extremely him. Extremely quick. Don't know where he has time to light all those candles. God forbid they did it before they left because, I mean, it's bordering on insurance fraud at that point. Um, my other one, though I did kind of like it, Jimmy Cooper, boat sleuth, mm. takes Haley on a date 
to his abandoned restaurant where Boat he serves her, her own three-day-old cookies. <laughs> and some that's uh, champagne, champagne with something floating in it. We, we hope it's not asbestos, but we think it could be. <laughs> did they know asbestos was dangerous in 2004? Or did I, we learn that later? That's a great I don't question. Know. I'm pretty sure we knew. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, I don't know how we found the boat. The one... The lady who has one line, are you a cop? Like, that's <laughs> terrific. Terrifically bad stuff. Uh, as far as D-plots or as you posited off, Mike, maybe even E-plots go, uh, it was amusing, but definitely the goofiest part of the episode. Absolutely. How about you? Anything you wanted to take down or, or so, and or breakdown? Yeah, I, I wanted to break down... Um, like I said at the top, just like a, a really excellent job of like some truly uncomfortable scenes in this episode, uh, especially for a Valentine's Day episode, kind of the subversion there. I thought it would be fun to kind of chat about these quickly and maybe rank them. Uh, I've got a list yeah. here. Some of the ones that made my skin crawl the most. Um, right off the bat, I think we talked, we talked, we definitely talked about it, but uh, the Seth Sandy sex talk. Um, which was largely I didn't really find that as cringy as just kind of like amusing and funny obviously they're both embarrassed so it's like you can you revel in that Um, so that wasn't like a true uh, cringe moment but I'm putting it on there Luke's first trip to the Cooper house goes up there clearly has no reason to be there other than just wanting to you know talk to Julie and see if there was like any chance that she would invite him in Uh, that goes nowhere he basically has to turn tail and kind of like does the eye roll like, oh, what an idiot I am. <laughs> Marissa doesn't live here anymore. Remember, Luke? Oh, I must have forgot. Brilliantly delivered, <laughs> Carmack. Um, I've got Marissa going to the pool house the first time when she like straight up tries to crawl on him and like basically have sex with him in order to make everything okay again. We Ooh. get the yeah that that was that's actually cringy but not funny not funny at all that was like oh my god this is uncomfortable because he said I think she says like don't you want to and he was he was basically like no and then she does the thing where she was she's like yeah right because this is and then he says wrong and she's like oh I was gonna say embarrassing but wrong as well uh, that one Ouch. yeah no, nothing funny about that uh, just straight up uncomfortable. This one I loved. So there's a lot of like big moments in this episode that are uncomfortable, but this was like a really small, quick one, but I just thought it worked so well. It's the, the when Marissa realizes that Teresa is one of the caterers for the event. Um, after she like talks to Ryan or whatever, Marissa and Teresa both go back into that like event space. Marissa holds the door open for her and Teresa like insists that she goes and they both kind of stand there for a second and they both go and kind of like bump into each other. <laughs> they cut back to Ryan and he's kind of, he just like his eye, he like winces because he knows it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, Steve, that is an artisanal eye that, that, that you bring to the show. That I, I was primed for it after a while. I was like, holy shit, they're really going for it in some of these awkward moments, but <laughs> small one, but that, that like said a lot there. For me, who hasn't been in that weird situation? It's kind of like when you're walking down the hallway and you try to move out of each other's way, but you just keep getting into each other's way. Uh, <laughs> the dance, yes. For sure. Seth and Summer after sex the first time, which is actually a great moment. Though We talked about that before the overhead shot, um, but clearly uncomfortable. And because especially the way it starts out, you know, you, you're thinking like, oh, wow, who, who knows where this relationship could go now? But it like halts pretty quickly. Uh, it clearly hasn't gone well. And then, yeah, she gets up and leaves him naked in the bed. This one, 
I mean, I, I don't even know why I made a whole list when this there's just clearly like an overwhelming number one. Marissa asking to start over with Ryan and then actually introducing herself to him with a handshake. Oh, like it's the show is actually cruel genius for doing this scene. It, it, it's like sneakily the best scene in the episode because every fiber of your being is like happy for a moment because they're you're like, that's cute. It's like, he's going to take the bait and things are going to be okay. You, okay, because I was going to say that the the gesture, like, made me cringe. The way he responds to it is, like, because that's that's when you're like, holy shit, her, her, her life is over. You can't do that and then have the person not, you know, play along. Uh, but even doing that in the first place made me uncomfortable. Oh, interesting. That's, and, I mean, I it's it's uncomfortably vulnerable. That's for sure. For sure. And it's a li- it's a, like a little hokey, but I thought it was like disarmingly cute because she's she's like a little more aloof than that, and, and so she's putting herself I, out there so hard. Yeah, and then when he like leaves her like falling into the abyss, I actually had the wind knocked out of me. I was like, oh boy, Barton, retire, get away <laughs> to social work or be an accountant. Just get off the screen, please. And this is not, I mean, how many times has someone asked another person if we can start over in this show? Because I, there's Luke Marissa uh, after he cheats on her. There's Ryan Oliver not that long ago. We get the Marissa Ryan in this episode. And then that doesn't totally count. But Seth, he says something about like, let's start from the beginning with Summer at the end of this episode. So it's, it's, it's well-worn territory for the OC to try to have one character just like suggest that we start over with another character after something has gone wrong. Very surprised the title of this episode is not The Do-Over or something like that. It's such a clear one, number one, but I, I wanted to give a shout out to the other ones as well. And honestly, like there's more Marissa and Ryan ones. The, the, the opening scene, she like goes to kiss him in the hallway and he like backs away. That's like a little weird. They bump into each other several times awkwardly and, and not, not, not even to say... Like some of the the like other minor stuff, like where Luke, like we we didn't even talk about the big Luke scene where he says like several awkward yeah. things in a row. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, there's there's a there's a bunch of them, but I think the the left hanging, hey, I'm Marissa Cooper, just that was, truly mortifying. That was so bad, so bad, but so good. And then this, I just had, I wanted to shout this out. This isn't really a takedown, but this is we get the first uh, little tidbit of the valley. Did you notice that in Summer's room when she's watching TV? Mmm, yes, a teaser, a teaser. Colin Hanks, you are you will soon <laughs> grace our screen. I am excited. Things to come. Uh, the the meta battery is about to be put into this machine. They really, they really set the, or they didn't really set the table for that, but they planted the seed very discreetly in this episode. Yeah, OC is not a big discreet seed planting show, so it's kind of cool, actually. Uh, all right, I'm out of things to take down. Yeah, that that was that was pretty much all I had. Well, we already have strayed into this just because it's a landmine-covered French field of scenes that are O-worthy, but uh, mine is not intact. We've already talked about it as well, but we should go into the segment anyway, just for, you know, just to be thorough. The OC and the scene that made us say, oh, so many candidates this week. You talked about yours, Steve. The Ju- the, the Luke, Julie, I guess you could call them Juke if you wanted to, <laughs> as they're 
their Hollywood name. Uh, mine is also a sex scene. It is the first Seth and Summer moments where he, we go from him delivering the heartfelt speech to her topless in a couple milliseconds. Yeah, double topless for Bilson this episode. Back to her. Well, I guess her roots are just a bikini top on, so it's kind of the anti-topless. But you know what I'm trying to get at here. <laughs> yeah, but it, in, you know what I'm saying. In the second, in the second sex scene, she has a bikini on instead of underwear. So you know, right? That's that's, that's her real roots. <laughs> uh, let's just. I I don't want to belabor it. I don't want to belabor talking about high schoolers having sex too much. Uh, but uh, it. I didn't remember it going that quickly. Like, it it really took my breath away how fast they jumped into bed because, you know, this the Seth Anna stuff was like very PG all the time and the the most they've ever done is a little bit of of like light making out. So the fact that they once again were not bashful about going all the way with one of their main characters was pretty surprising. Yeah, that was a I I kind of knew where this was going. Um, so. Not not that doesn't make it less like that doesn't make the quality of the scene any less, but I wasn't as taken aback uh, as I I think upon first watch. Yeah, that 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 would definitely have been surprising because they start the way they start that scene. And the 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 other thing is that Harbor School, that cafe keeps getting more and more interesting. They're, they're selling coffee. They're playing uh, arcade games. <laughs> like, this is a school, right? Like this isn't. Dude, that Some is rec so room. funny. <laughs> that lounge is like turning into a rec center. It's, it's seriously incredible. Uh, but yeah, in that scene, they like you know she she wants nothing to do with them, and uh, yeah, the tides change pretty quick. But you know who's I'd be powerless against uh, that speech as well. So actually, the intro to that scene is really good. There's a knock on her door. She's like, "Don't come in. I'm studying naked." And then he goes over, and she says, "Cohen, you're in my home." And he's like, "And you've got clothes on." Imagine which one of us is more disappointed. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's just the Seth way. Then there's the Princess Sparkle reveal. That's important. There's, of course, the Valley reveal, which we've already talked about. It's a mile a minute because then there's the speech, then there's the kiss, and she's immediately naked. Then we're breakneck jump cut right into the overhead. It's, it's incredible. It really is. And then is. the follow-up scene where Seth admits that he had sex to Ryan and Ryan gives him sort of the, he said, how was it? And then he's like, well, the important thing is I had sex. And Ryan goes, that bad, huh? He, <laughs> he, all-knowing wise man Ryan, I started disliking him. But the more adjacent to lunch pill Ryan he becomes, the more I like it. So, um there, there is like I, a there, there is a uh, mysticness between Lunchbell Ryan and um, what did you call him? <laughs> all, all worldly knowing Ryan. Oh yeah, all knowing wise Ryan. <laughs> yeah, those, those they fit nicely together. Two, two sides of the same cosmic coin, I would say. But now I'm, I'm spindling into different scenes. But the whole, that whole little thing was just handled so elegantly and funnily that I, I have to shout it out. Yeah, the whole thing is the Hall of Fame. I, I'd say the the speech and then followed up with the overhead. Just, just it, OC doesn't get much better than that. All right. Well, uh, it's I hate to say it's like a little bit of an afterthought in the episode, but uh, we are going to do soundtrack this week as well. On top of all the banger scenes that we had, we had a couple of excellent tracks as well. 
So, Steve, soundtrack, we, we, it, it's not getting as much play as we thought it would, but this week's a good week for it. There's a couple that came to mind. I, I, a few jumped off the screen right away and, and I thought were notable. Uh, what about you? There's you two. I'm sure I'm going to, there's two that I, that I think are kind of perfect, but mostly for how they play in the scenes themselves. These aren't like artists or songs that were especially hot at the time or like, actually honestly like both of these songs don't really like uh convey the spirit of the oc the way some of the other music that we've talked about has but they just work so damn well in the scenes one we talked about it already but seeger uh night moves such a good song uh just like really like kind of not not the not that one song is the embodiment embodiment of classic rock but definitely has that feel and for julie to be playing that um as she kind of like succumbs to luke's advances trying to, you know, recapture some of her youth really worked for me. Um, and kind of like made like the the cheesiness of his lines not as difficult to stomach, uh, in my opinion. And then the other one, I mean, this is this might have been the best needle drop that we've had yet, besides the the California um, theme song, but uh Wonderwall, the Ryan Adams version playing Absolutely that Seth turns on to slow dance with Summer too. And then I think it kind of plays like throughout the end of the episode, right? As yes. Marissa and Ryan kind of have their final fight. Um but yeah, I mean just awesome song, doing a cover of like a song that everybody knows so well that like really fits the mood. Um just loved it. Terrific choice. Um he puts the literal record on that is excellent obviously um the lyrics fit their love story that's cool and it's just the sort of like if playing the oasis version there would have been like chintzy and a little bit like cheap and cheesy that would have been like unbearable actually i think that that would have that would have like ruined the scene but yeah for some reason that with the ryan adams uh cover just like it's the perfect fit it's like a puzzle piece that goes in there uh, you, you said it best. Those are the two big ones, obviously. Uh, there are two other smaller ones that I think are more in the vein of OC that sure. just are, are a little complimentary parsley to the rest of it. Quick note on those other two that we just mentioned. Both of them are played actually by characters in the show, which like we typically don't get with soundtrack. You know, it's it's soundtracking a scene. Um, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, the, it reminds me of Haley's iPod yeah right a few weeks i think that ago. was the eels or something saturday morning or something like that um but yeah <laughs> like memory a, steve a song that a character intends on playing that to like fit the scene and yeah both of those work so well excellent point uh the other two were the opposite they were just played normally within the meta universe of the show um hello sunshine by super furry animals during the uh confession confession of the fact that he had sex the brag i guess seth would say uh, initially started off that way and then sort of went downhill but uh, that's got like this very like light-hearted of the early 2000s vibe that is like really perfect for that scene mm-hmm. just like a little quirky ever so slightly dissonant and um it, it, it like is a it's a good bed for seth's hilarious ramble about he goes on to say there are a few faces i made in the middle <laughs> which i wish i could take back and a noise that escaped near the end that we don't have to talk about. It was, it was awesome. That's a good call. I, that was a good fit. I didn't, I didn't look that one up, but not that you're saying it, it I, I do remember it. And it is kind of like it's very OC in the sense that it kind of, I don't know if it's a California band or not, but you know, like it's a 
played during the day, sunshine. You know, this it's it's got it's more or less like a positive, happy scene. That's that felt very OC to me. Totally, totally agree. The other one, this one, I did have to look up, do a little research. Uh, while Seth is asking for a second chance with Summer, the song "Summertime" by the Fire Theft is playing, and uh, I don't have much else to say about that other than "Summertime" is a very apropos pick, uh, given the title of the song. Sure, that one does did not stick out to me. That's 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 the second time he goes to the bedroom. Yes, after he's talked to Sandy, back to the bedroom, part okay. two, Redux blows on her ear. That's also a hilarious scene that he's like whiffing so hard from like it, the advice that Sandy gave him. His like very poorly applied foreplay ideas. <laughs> did, he, did did you find that funny or did you find it unbearable? I didn't find it unbearable, but I wasn't like uh it was a little like yeah, like I don't know, physical comedy in the show it, it's not what I go for. Uh it's not what I come <laughs> to the OC for. Uh so I didn't That's have fair. I didn't have like a big problem with that, but it was just kind of like oh of course he's not like doing He's, he's taking the advice, but like, you know, still kind of like not applying it correctly. Fucking it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, so it, again, that's like the cherry on top. Some excellent music as a part of an otherwise excellent episode. is That's what you want to see. That's classic OC. Absolutely. I got a question for you, Steve. Yeah, I think I know what it is, but ask me. Ask away. <laughs> is this episode foundational or would you call it filler? This is a tough one. I'd, I, where, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I feel like I always get the, the first bite at the apple on these. What, what did you think? It's because I can't resist the transition where I say, Steve, <laughs> got a question for you. Um, I thought it was close, but foundational. Okay. I would I, say you, you really don't want to miss, because the Seth Summer sex scene and then the roll off of the bed and Seth laying there alone is fuck it's like maybe the the scene that you remember it's like it could be the scene on the cover of the dvd Mm. it could be the scene that when you go to netflix the oc pops up you can't watch it on netflix but if you could it might say the oc and the oc and seth is there off to the side of it covering his junk with a pillow yeah (laughs) like that's the scene it's true it 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 absolutely is it's it is like an image that is kind of burned in my head um I like that take. I, I had written down filler and no note next to it. So I'm going to try to retroactively try to f- maybe fill in the um, my thoughts here. I think I think a come down episode from um, the the culmination of an arc like we had with Oliver. It's hard to imagine that like even the next episode would also be foundational. I think what you said is correct. The summer Seth sex scene is like extremely memorable um but the episode on the whole i would i didn't know that 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 scene happened in this episode you know what i'm saying sure i remember the scene i mean that's a fair counterpoint but the episode itself doesn't feel foundational the scene for sure and the scene exists in the episode so you can make you make a case as you did but i didn't i didn't know that i was like okay this the summer seth sex scene that's hard to say but the summer seth sex scene happens in this episode, the heartbreak, I was uh, that was I was not aware of. I just I'm I can't help but shake the notion that if you didn't watch it and you went went around and watched episode twenty, you'd be like, why is Luke having sex with Julie? Why I, is <laughs> ha- why is Haley back in the show? You're you're why? like uh, 
the the way that you like framed this is kind of strange to me. Like you're you're <laughs> the, you're like imagining the viewer who just is gonna skip around, not not never having <laughs> seen the show before. Like that's I don't true. have I mean you're I you're don't right. have time to watch twenty seven episodes, so I'm only gonna watch like the five or I, that's another good question. Like, is it possible to have more than half the episodes foundational? I I would say no. I would say it, it wouldn't be, but a th- I would say a third of them might not be inappropriate. I, I would shoot for like twenty five percent of them. Okay, I think that's what like we're a at. Check. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're I, right. I'm gonna that... stick with foundational, but it, it, fill is a good case for filler. It was very close. It was totally close. Um, there are some foundational episodes that just that I think that it's in the title, but yeah, like the the there. I mean, there, but the, um, like you said, there is a ton of shit that happens in this episode, and that's so. Yeah, I could go. I could kind of go either way. I had down. I had filler. You had foundational. I think that that's all right. A little disagreement's healthy. You could see it in Kirsten and Sandy's relationship. It's true in ours as well, Steve. Um, and talk about a little disagreement. This is a, a banger of a of a tier list as well for me. Quickly before we start, I, I want to give a quick honorable mention to Jimmy, who again had very few scenes, but made me chuckle with genuineness in in both of them. Um, no, no honorable n- mention needed for me for Jimmy. He was my number five. What a comfortable and familiar spot for oh my for God. our boy Tate Donovan. That's so so interesting that you say that because I have written down here. Um, I mean, I don't. Is it just me or is Tate just like the most palpable naturalism of any of the actors on the show? You could make a, the case for Gallagher, but yeah, he's in like two or three scenes, and he's just I don't know. It's just it's, I buy him every time. I just think me he's too. really good. When he gets the cookies, and he's like. <laughs> something for you dad and he's like thanks marissa you didn't have to do that and she's like i didn't and he, he goes who would send me something nice <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ah he's so damn lovable i'm almost regretting not putting him at five myself, i mean he still but... doesn't have a ton to do uh you know he's he's mid restaurant opening and he's got like this kind of budding relationship with Haley. um but yeah i don't know damned if i don't like him whenever he's on screen Perfectly respectable number five pick. My number five, I'm comfortable saying this because I don't think she's on yours, uh, Marissa. Or, okay. excuse me, Kirsten. Kirsten's my number five. Oh, Kirsten. Okay. I did not have her on my tier list. Although she she had enough screen time for it to make it for me. I think that what if I, I always, I feel like I, or I don't always do this, but there's occasionally the, the five spot I, I would have given a little more time a little more thought or maybe just after the conversation that i've had with you uh things would be a little bit different but you could let me hear why you got kirsten to five wasn't i wasn't like completely blown away by her you know her her like having to slot into the sort of flustered role of valentine's day lover uh didn't really didn't really get my, me going but i do like how she stood up for herself she gave sandy some good shit she sort of flamed Chrismica in a way that was very amusing to me. Um, and, you know, all in all, she has that nice moment where she's like looking at at Peter Gallagher as he's talking to Misha Barton. And she has got this really like kind look on her face and then comes up to him after and says, you know, you're you can be really hard to be mad at sometimes. And then he like says something annoying and she goes and then really easy sometimes. And we're like, that's back back in it yeah totally that's them that's uh, them so uh, you know classic kirsten she's on screen a lot um maybe slightly some missed opportunities but overall i like right on who'd you have at four my number four is marissa got them a little flip-flopped they're uh tongue-tied but uh 
Marissa's an interesting case. I don't know where she... Did she appear on yours? No, she's not on mine. So what I liked about Marissa is that typically they don't let Barton off the leash like this. Now, she was doing some real wild stuff. She was basically a punching bag who could not take a single action in the show without getting the wind knocked out of her. It was extremely uncomfortable moments, yes. Dude, she's got some real convincing crying. She's got some extreme left-hanging vibes. She's got some hilarious moments of, like, diet physical comedy where she's, like, confused and awkward, doesn't know what to do with her hands. I don't know. I thought it was, like, a sneakily excellent Barton performance. Okay. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, she, I didn't have... I was, I was looking at my list from last week. Uh, two, <clears throat> two of the characters, and actually three if you count Luke, are probably never going to be on there again. Uh, so there was definitely room for some for her to move in, but... Yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, I those scenes, I I guess I didn't give Barton the credit that maybe she, that you did. Um, uh, how well she played those. I was just more the what else? What sticks in my mind is how uncomfortable they were. Um, so, <laughs> Hard to yeah. even watch. Yeah. Uh, All so, right. Um. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. At her. I have a feeling I might make you mad with my four. Oh, hit me. I have Julie at four. Oh, wow. Yeah, this, so this is the two fundamental ways you can feel about the episode, I, I think. Right. And we've, we've drawn our lines in the sand. We really have. And we don't disagree often on this show, but it makes it a little more interesting when we do. Um, I had her as an honorable mention uh, for me last episode. Um, but this one, you know, I, we talked about it in the O scene. The, the Seeger and the line, really, I beat Kirsten, just did it for me. <sighs> I, was, uh, I was in the bag for her after that. Not that I agree with her choice to sleep with Luke. That that's well, that's no, yeah, you separated morally from your life totally. of the character. Um, but those those two things uh, just put her over the edge for me. What did you think about her, like uh, elsewise in the episode? So w- the other, th- I mean, re- the turning Luke away the first time that's that's pretty. I mean, you, I like I like kind of her. She had kind of a knowing smile, uh, and mm-hmm. she she was kind of like. You know, at, at least she she had a little pep in her step after that. You know that Luke had come to you know try to see if she was interested, and cl- you know she she uh, then at that point she was doing the right thing and by not uh not taking his advances. But and then I mean I'm trying to think what else. So she's I, she's got the scene with Kirsten at the uh, singles dance where she like threatens to or kind of half jokingly or, or fully jokingly slit her own wrists. Uh, that part, that is an excellent throwaway line. Yeah, right. Um, no one else on the OC is like willing to make those jokes. That's no. why Melinda Clark is so awesome. And I guess it, just the first time the Seeger is mentioned, she's like, I'll be blasting Bob Seeger tonight. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Get your Seeger on, girl. Yeah, totally. Um, Woman, lady. Uh, you're an amazing I, girl. Oh, am I missing anything? What other scenes? No, no, that's that's about it. I was, I was just looking for a more holistic appreciation of of Clark. I'll, I'll I'll never turn my nose up at getting Clark on this list because, you know, I, I love her actress and I, I love her character. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have put her on my list. Obviously, I didn't. But, uh, you know, cooler heads prevail here on Takes of Our Lives. I have a feeling we're going to be pretty aligned on the last three. Who is your number three? My number three is Summer. Mine too. And I, I think this is the age of Aquarius, the beginning of the season of Summer. Oh, it um, totally is, dude. We had the little hints of it here and there, maybe in the TJ episode or the Thanksgiving episode, but 
this is where her character really takes form. She has, she's gone, it's amazing. She she didn't deserve to be anywhere near the tier list, and she really wasn't for a long time. She's so good in this episode. She, she totally is, and it's funny, I was, I, um... I was visiting with my sister over the weekend and we were talking about this podcast and she, my sister was one of the original OC fans, or at least in my life, um, OG OC fans. And we were talking about the pod and I was just kind of asking her what she remembered about the show because she hasn't watched it in, you know, in forever. And I was like, who was your favorite character? And she kind of thought about it a little bit and she's like, I'd probably say Summer. And up until this point, that seems like insane for somebody, you know, she was, she was, a you know, she was 15 or whatever when the show was on and uh, for Someone to have said that their favorite summer or their favorite character was summer through 19 episodes seems pretty crazy. But I think this is where it really starts for her. I totally agree. I'm excited for it. I think she could be a real contender for like the top any of the top four spots week in and week out. If my memory is serving me correctly, because uh, she is going to be one of the funniest characters on the show. Her her writing is incisive. And uh, it is in this episode as well, which is what makes it so great. And she's got a heart of gold. You can't not root for her. Totally. But she also has an edge, which none of the other, besides uh, Julie, most of the female characters on the show don't really have any edge to them. And she totally does. But she also has like a sentimentality that um, really works. Makes her easy to like. Totally agree. Summer at three. Now, Steve, before we get into two, I I have to make like a light preface here. Okay. We've talked about it for a long time. I think I know where uh, this is going. Would there? Why? Why is Sandy perennially at the top? Not only because Peter Gallagher is a master and we worship at his altar, yes. but because no one has presented a case that really convincingly knocks him off. I think I know where you're going here. That case was made for me this week. Okay, I'm I'm with you. I'm right there with him. I I think I had him at number two. I had Sandy at two as well. Oh no, I had Seth at two. I think you were gonna. That's I was predicting that you were gonna have Seth at one. Oh, I had Sandy. I, see. I had Sandy at I one. See. You had Sandy at two. I had Seth at two. And am I correct? Seth at one for me. Okay. How do you want to talk about? It? Let's do Sandy first because he's gotten so much uh, limelight over the last few episodes. Um, so you you have said this before. We've talked about it. You made you. You made it clear that you were not going to uh, dethrone Sandy until somebody makes a case. In your opinion, Seth has made the case. What did you like about Sandy? How did Sandy get your number two in this episode? Let's just start there. Well, there's plenty to like about Sandy. Uh, He has the hilarious sex talk with Seth. He's got the not hilarious at all, extremely tender and lovable uh, sort of, you know, when two characters don't really interact that much and then they have a really nice scene together. I always love that in these sort of shows. You're talking so Sandy and, and Marissa, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, that scene is really lovely. He's got some funny, if not a little tired, snipes about Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, going on throughout Hershey's the and episode. Hallmark. <laughs> exactly. That's like a near, um, uh, if we can put a man on the moon argument. <laughs> Yeah, for they, me. Wait, wait, holiday you, invented you, by the greeting card companies. Yeah, if you had to yes, tier we've list, heard that joke. If you had to tier list, like the worst, I don't even know what you would call those, like foundations for an argument. Would you put uh, Hershey's and Hallmark, or if we can put a man on the moon? Which one? Which one are you? Which one's more worn out? 
Oh, no. It's got to be the man on the moon one. Because I agree. you get that one 365 days a year. Good point. Valentine's get... Day is only, yeah, it comes around once a year. for you got to think about it for a week, and then you're done. <laughs> uh, but very tired stuff there, uh, which worked against him a little bit. Generally, though, when he was like giving relationship advice to the kids in and out, he he acted sort of as a mentorship figure uh, in a in a mostly humorous way this episode. And I think he was he was earning it and owning it. I I agree. I had him at one. I think I'm I'm really excited to hear your Seth takes. Um, I had Seth at two, but yeah, uh, just I'm just enjoying your mother's company was a great line that went uh, <laughs> underappreciated. Girl stuff. Well, you've come to the master, and then Kirsten like <laughs>, laughs out loud. Um, and then the sex talk, the talk with Marissa you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I had him at one, but you, you're making me rethink it because I've got my notes for Seth and I'll let you, I'll let you take the floor first, but that's, it's a, there's, there's some strong stuff here. So tell me why Sandy was, uh, finally taken over. It, it took a complete performance and Brody does, he does literally everything in this episode. He is... Just a little braggadocious. He's finally, he's the dog that caught the car. He has had sex with Summer. Mm. Um, but he's hilariously analogy. effusive when he's questioned about it. He instantly, the he doesn't keep up this, the tough guy facade for long. He launches into that hilarious self-scathing diatribe about how he performed. Um, he has a several amazing moments. The confession of love for Summer. Uh, the it's conversation. What's that? I just sorry. It's it's always been you. That's the oh yeah, the, exactly the thesis it's of been the, you. the speech. And it, it's a memorable one. He has a really funny little conversation with Captain Oates, where he goes, "Oh, her hooves. Oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny." Uh, he has a really tender, vulnerable moment at the end where he tells. Summer that he's bowing out because he's he's like not satisfying her and he feels embarrassed and he knows that she's used to a higher caliber of guy and he's sorry so maybe they can reconvene in a couple years. I was like, holy smokes, that is a gut puncher. And then of course, how cool and sweet he is in the final scene before he puts on Ryan Adams. It's top to bottom. I found it truly transcendent. It's a great case. Um he was my number two for all those reasons. Two hall, two real Hall of Fame scenes. If you want to call him two, I mean, it's there's, you know, I I, I would call him two. But um, the yeah, the speech and then the the after sex like disaster moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. I was looking at my my last week tier list. I didn't have him on there. That might have been why I I had a, I couldn't like have him all the way at the top. Um, but it's a great case. It's a good take and. Yeah, I mean, Sandy's his reign was long, but uh, nobody is invincible. That's right. I don't, you know, a little context. Seth was my number two last week, so it's you know we sort of had a little bit of a divergence on Seth these last few weeks. For so sure, this is kind of that that maturing, that bearing fruit uh, for our our tier lists. It was always it was always you, Summer. <laughs> it's always been you. It's always been you. That's right. Uh, so a quick rundown. Another ep- excellent episode with many good performances. I have Kirsten, Marissa, Summer, Sandy, Seth. I had Jimmy, Julie, Summer, Seth, Sandy. I mean, 
are we ever going to get a break from this this endless carnival of bangers, Steve? I hope not. I mean, I I'm I, <laughs> I always love too. I always love a takedown, but um I don't know. I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving I'm loving what they're giving us right now. I'm loving talking about it. Into the home stretch. Uh what is your cliffhanger for next week? So, I'm thinking about I'm trying to think about what is the next cover of an oasis song that seth is going to play to seduce <laughs> summer there's so many good the, options i mean what are the good options steve we've got oh man i probably my favorite oasis song don't look back in anger um mm. champagne supernova is a really really good one that's um, what i would expect to be on the show that i mean it's it's possible um but yeah they they're they have a lot of fucking good songs so who knows <laughs> what about you what are you thinking about uh sandy teased it in the episode and you know how well this show does holidays i'm just waiting for the arbor day banger oh I mean, that's gotta be <laughs> that's in march right right around the corner which so. character do you think is going to really stand for arbor day i think it's an it sounds like an anna episode to me but since oh. they're putting her in the in the tv gulag and we're not going to be allowed to see much of her for the rest of the episode banished to pittsburgh <laughs> rest in of peace all places. yeah no trees in pittsburgh no um Sorry to our Pittsburgh fans. Yeah. I'm sure you are numerous. <laughs> Great city. <laughs> well, another awesome episode, Steve. Yeah, man, this was a good one. I mean, they're all, they're, yeah, it's, it's, it, we've said it about a bunch, but when was the last like bad episode we've had? I mean, even the bad ones are fun to talk about. So that's, that's kind of why we're doing this after all. I guess we're holding out, wait, not to get us too off track so late in the game, but was the Rooney episode a good episode or a bad episode? Did we, did we mm. decide? You you have a more of a bone to pick with Rooney than I do, so I'm 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 gonna let you, uh, you know, if you want to call that like a, a below par episode, that I'll I'll give you that. But um, I don't know, I enjoyed it. But even well, there was there was so much. To, that's the other thing. That's, a, that's the point I was trying to make. Is like even the bad ones. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to to you know to chat about. So an excellent point, I suppose. Until time that oasis comes on and we have the <laughs> oasis episode don't look back until then <laughs> take it till you make it <laughs> <laughs>